Hello, everyone. Welcome to Conversations with the Co-op. This is where we source questions from the Index Co-op community to gain insights from today's leaders in crypto and DeFi. I'm your host, Crypto Texan, and on today's episode, we are joined by Caps, who is on the product team at NFTX and the co-founder of FloorDAO. Caps, thanks for being on the show with us today. How are things going in the NFT world? Thanks for having me on. Things are pretty well volatile, as always, and volumes are sort of up and down. But uh, yeah, we are building in the Metify world now, um, and it's yeah an exciting place to be. Yeah, and before we get into what Metify is, do you mind sharing with us your background and how did you find yourself in the DeFi and NFT space? So uh, going back all the way to 2011 was when I first heard around uh, about Bitcoin. This was at a time where I was playing a lot of online poker and poker was uh, banned in the US. Uh, a famous, uh, I think it was called Black Friday at the time, uh, Black Thursday, I forget now. But yeah, online poker was banned in the US. And that was around the same time that, that Bitcoin was kind of coming to prominence and kind of made it clear that there was, you know, back then it was kind of play money. It wasn't considered to be anything that would be of any major value. Um, and it, it, but it was like a, a bit of a sign that, you know, alternative money was was being created so i kind of had had an interest in there built some like web 2 businesses out around um crypto and then in 2016 got into ethereum again it's kind of web 2 side only and then it wasn't until 2020 when like yield farming sort of started to go like quote unquote mainstream with compound that I kind of got into DeFi and then went through the whole of like DeFi summer and and um, up to the end of that year, just kind of like hugely immersed in all the new applications and things that were coming out um, and just having like experimenting and playing with those protocols. And then I, I kind of stumbled across NFTX in, in February or January 2021. And what was like really striking about NFTX was that you know, DeFi summer had ended and like the hype had died down, but then NFTX had kind of come out with this product that was like combining NFTs with DeFi. Yeah, super, super early in like what I think is now becoming like quite clearly like a, a big, big trend. So I've been at NFTX for the last year as head of product and then um, has spun out FloorDAO as well on that. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about Black Friday in poker because I think I was in college when that happened and I was playing quite a bit of online poker at the time. What websites were you using for online poker? Yeah, so that was PokerStars and Full Tilt, but mostly PokerStars. Oh, yeah, I remember I remember Full Tilt. I was doing Ultimate Bet for a while, too. Yeah, I forget. Was it Phil Helmuth was like a big Ultimate Bet guy? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so you're on the product team at nftx so what what does that mean exactly to be on the product team what like what's your day-to-day like there building out features integrating like the web3 technical elements as well so interfacing with all the smart contracts that we've got deployed as in the nftx protocol and you know improving ux improving ui and yeah hooking up all the technical stuff and kind of planning where we're going to kind of go and like for example you know we're looking at like a more specific Metify product right now. But yeah, day-to-day is working with UI and uh, dev teams to to kind of connect it all together. And my background is also like pretty technical, having like built a lot of websites in the past and also like messed around with Solidity quite a bit. So it's kind of like a good spot for me to kind of tie these, like the technical smart contract sides into like the front ends um, and make it all work together nicely. Yeah, and you've mentioned Metify twice. So what, what's your definition of Metify? And is that just the intersection of the metaverse and DeFi? Or how would you define that? So the, the need for like Metify or like a term that describes the kind of mix between NFTs and DeFi. So up until like, I'd say up until like NFTX kind of launched, there there was like these these two worlds were very separate. So you had NFTs and you had DeFi, but there was there was absolutely no way you could start like doing yield farming strategies with NFTs, and there was nothing you know, in DeFi that would work for F- with NFTs. So there's like a need for like a name which is like combining DeFi and NFTs, which we always just kind of used to call just kind of like DeFi plus NFTs. Now it's kind of I think there's like GameFi is being used, but I think MetaFi 
you know, even if, if Facebook is trying to cover up the name Meta, I think I think we do well to kind of push hard on like the Meta fight because it is basically turning like metaverse assets into like financial assets as well. Yeah, and NFTX is a pretty great example of that. And I think the majority of the people at the Index Co-op are familiar with NFTX as it is it is a constituent in our metaverse index index. <laughs> but uh, could you explain for the audience and probably those who might not be aware, what is NFTX and what is its importance and significance in the NFT metaverse space? So NFTX makes illiquid JPEGs liquid again. So what we do is we, the NFTX, NFTX has like, and it's permissionless, so anyone can create a vault in NFTX for any NFT. So let's take like the Punk Vault, for instance, like CryptoPunk Vault. Anyone can deposit a CryptoPunk into the CryptoPunk Vault and mint a Punk ERC20 token off the back of that. And that ERC20 token is then backed by any of the CryptoPunk NFTs that are in the vault. So you now have, you, you kind of are pooling all these NFTs together that were like previously non-fungible. And then you're minting a fungible token that's backed by those NFTs that are in the vault. For this reason though, like it only works for floors. So NFTX is, is for floor items only. Um, you, we can pull these floor items together and, and create this, this fungible token because you know the floor is kind of considered everything at the floor is kind of considered to be equal or roughly equal value. And it, yeah, the, the value can be kind of like, it doesn't, it can be kind of roughly equal because there's a lot of value in minting the punk token from, from depositing. So people are quite willing to put, even if it's slightly above floor, they'll be quite happy to mint a punk token by depositing their NFT into the NFTX vault. Um, and they lose, they lose access to that particular NFT and instead they have a claim on the vault, like a random NFT within the vault. Uh, so it's not for like, using with assets that you really kind of have uh, some kind of like connection with but it's just used for like any floor assets that you're not too kind of attached to okay so essentially nftx takes non-fungible items like nfts and makes them fungible by basically minting a token that is collateralized by a pool of that collection's floor level nfts is that fair to say? That's exactly right. Right. And it unlocks a few things. So NFTX is actually like what we turn it into. And it was originally like an index where it was going to kind of allow you to kind of speculate on the value of, of CryptoPunks by having this floor token that you could track. But now it's actually turned into a marketplace. So that ERC20 Punk token can be burnt to redeem a specific CryptoPunk from the vault. So if you if you have if you see a CryptoPunk gets dropped into the vault and you actually think, okay, I'd quite like to to take that out, you would buy the punk token on Sushi and then burn that token to then redeem the NFT. And what we do is it rather than buying one punk token to redeem one CryptoPunk NFT, you'd have to buy like 1.03. And that extra zero three, that three percent additional, goes to the LPs, so the people that are actually like providing the liquidity to allow you to to make that purchase of the one point zero three punk. That kind of starts generating yield for people that put their punks into the vault, um, and this kind of like has this flywheel effect of the more volume that that happens, the more fees that happens, the more LPs come into the pool and uh and so on and it just kind of scales that way okay so the users or individuals that stake their nft inside the vault get the benefit of now having a fungible uh token and they also generate yield on top of it so those are the two main benefits and can you purchase these minted tokens just on the open market like sushi swap or uniswap Exactly. So NFTX at the moment uses Sushi under under the hood. So you can just buy punk tokens on Sushi, but we will move to, to Uniswap V3 eventually so you can start playing with like concentrated liquidity strategies as well. And one of the selling points as well around NFTX is kind of the other side of this trade. So it's not the buying stuff is kind of cool, but you know, you can buy assets that are listed anywhere quite easily with other markets. 
Um, but with NFTX, you can also instantly sell. So in the same way, it's kind of like the reverse, the reverse flow. So with selling, you would mint your, you put your, your CryptoPunk into the vault, you'd mint your punk token, and then you would sell that punk token on Sushi straight away for the ETH. So you have this like access to instant selling, and we recently introduced like instant swapping as well, um, which works in a similar way. Right, so that is nice. So, because typically on an NFT ex- or an, an NFT marketplace in general, you do have to wait for a buyer, right? You set your price, you wait for a buyer, and so how does NFTX determine what the floor price is of a floor vault token? So that's in the same way that like any any token would be would have their price determined on Sushi. So it's um just the pool weighting, like 50-50 pool weighting just is being traded and that moves the spot price um, up and down. And you know, you have then the spreads of, of that price, so like the difference between the buy and the sell, and, and that difference um, becomes smaller like the, with the more liquidity that's added. So you kind of get closer to the spot price the deeper the liquidity goes, which allows for more trading more volume and more fees for the LPs that are kind of supporting all of this activity. So who are NFTX's competitors in the space, right? I know that there's Nifty Museum is one, but do you also, I guess if it's becoming a marketplace, do you also see you know, OpenSea and Looks as competitors as well? And then how do you feel like NFTX stacks up against those competitors? We are a marketplace, but I don't think like we consider ourselves like first and foremost the marketplace. We are really a liquidity protocol, so we our like key metric is like around liquidity, and if we can increase liquidity, which we just so happen to do by kind of creating this marketplace function because that drives fees and then helps to deepen that liquidity. But yeah, it, it, liquidity is our main thing. And in terms of competitors, I believe NFT Twenty is like the main one, Nifty Museum. But I think the kind of liquidity protocol that they have got is NFT Twenty. And that's kind of a similar thing. I haven't like looked too much into them lately, but yeah, we they they have like a similar idea of pooling like floor assets and minting fungible tokens as well. Yeah, but I would say that with the rise of at, you know NFT marketplace aggregators like Jim XYZ and Genie, it does make NFTX feel more like a marketplace than a liquidity provider. But you feel like it, you're more of a liquidity provider than than the former. So I don't know, what kind of impact do you see aggregators, NFT marketplace aggregators having on the space in general and NFTX as a protocol? That's a really good question. Aggregators are kind of like looking at NFTX marketplace as like a proof of concept and showing people that like you can use the NFTX liquidity to actually like do marketplace activities. And then the idea at that point would be, well, you know, we demonstrate the proof of concept and then aggregators will plug into our inventory. Like we, you know, they don't need permission. This is the, the great thing of Web3 and all this composability is Gem can just use our liquidity. We didn't know they were building it. They just kind of built it out and plugged it in. And, and these are huge volume drivers for NFTX. I don't have the numbers, but like I keep a track, like just like an anecdotal track of like everything that's happening in terms of activity in NFTX. And I'd say like half of the activity on the buy side is through gem and there's, there's some through genie as well predominantly gem and you know these aggregated wars that are probably going to come yeah there's this and they're, they're ultimately offering a better experience than than OpenSea. i think yeah, these are going to drive like significant volumes to us so lps are going to really really benefit from this kind of uh, aggregator addition yeah and, and as a liquidity protocol i guess my next question is you know what is the importance of a liquid floor for an NFT project? Like what significance does presents itself for a user that holds an NFT to get instant liquidity? What is the importance of that liquid floor? Yeah, if you've got a really liquid floor, then you, then you know you can exit anytime and you'll be paid like a pretty decent market rate. So there's like some comfort there knowing that that there won't be like a lack of liquidity, so you, you won't have an issue exiting. You'd also be able to like swap your asset as well, so you can have like instant swaps. So if you wanted to like trade up, which is something we're, we're going to introduce to NFTX, but if you wanted to trade up your asset, you could, and also swap for like other floors that you might prefer. 
there's like some kind of like nice nice effects there and also you don't need to cut undercut the floor if you're trying to sell some people you know try and get instant sell open sea so they'll they'll undercut the floor and that's you know not healthy for the project really so it's good to have this this kind of instant sell price and then you have composability which is like kind of where metify comes in so with a liquid nftx vault you can then have a price oracle from sushi or you know from unip3 once you move there and that price oracle will allow like DeFi apps to use the token because now they've got like a reliable price feed to to conduct liquidations and, and other things. We're already seeing, like for example, right now, one of the benefits for Wizards, Forgotten Runes, is that they're now in Rari. So we've got enough liquidity in Wizards to like create a price oracle. And the same goes for Punk as well. And users can now use their Wizards floor token to borrow from Rari and you know they could then apply that you could borrow stable coins and do some yield farming strategies or like more singly as they can actually deposit their staked wizard which is like yield earning nftx wizard and then borrow stable coins against your staked wizard position and then you can earn additional yield on top so you have like now these like yield stacking stacking abilities so this is much more like the financial user like the average nft user probably not so fussed about this although i think they might find it more interesting in the future as there's more products built out but yeah composability is definitely a big one and then like kind of finally is also like punk as money or wizard as money actually using these fractionalized nfts for like day-to-day like payments in some way or like bonuses or you know using them to incentivize work for for a project you know wizards could could start paying contributors in in actual like fractionalized floor wizard tokens which is kind of cool yeah are there any projects doing that right now and just kind of looking you know conversely at the ape token right that was has dropped all the board eight yacht club why wouldn't like what are the benefits of using i guess a community token that's collateralized by the floor assets versus airdropping your own community token out of thin air yeah good question there's probably like a lot of more tokenomics and flexibility you have around like an ape coin like you can mint as much as you like you can distribute it in any any kind of way you like whereas if you're if you're using like the nft collateralized nft coins you, you kind of have to have that collateral in the first place you have to like it then it's just a little bit less like scalable in that sense but it, this there's kind of a lot more there's a lot more like reality to it. It's uh, you know it's it's fully backed, whereas maybe there's more kind of speculation with just a minted coin like Ape. So yeah, I imagine it's more like the capital efficiency of just being able to mint a coin and and throw it up on the market. Yes, you have more of an opportunity to create your own Ponzi nomics with one that you just kind of mint out of thin air, probably. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about FloorDAO, which is built on top of NFTX composability. What is FloorDAO? Whose idea was FloorDAO? And was this created to address a need for NFTX specifically or the, the ecosystem in general? I just asked you like 10 questions, so take your time. So starting from like the start, I guess, FloorDAO was an idea from a conversation in the pub back in June last year which was more like thinking, oh, how can we how can we help like build liquidity for NFTX? Like we think we have this awesome product, like that honestly, like the, the yield that could be generated is just stuff that people just won't know about. How can we like show showcase this and, and demonstrate it? And originally it was going to be a kind of um some kind of like just capital raise that would then go and acquire assets and put them into NFTX. And it kind of evolved from there around the time of like Olympus with their bonding, mecha- bonding mechanism. Fordow kind of like took on that idea of a way to do like continuous capital raising, but then continued down the path of like, right, let's, let's um, build a, but I guess like, yeah, to sum up Fordow's vision, it's basically building a treasury of blue chip, of yield generating blue chip NFTs. So making acquisitions of, of NFTs like floor sweeps. Um, putting them into NFTX, earning yield on those, and then you know extending that to other collections. So that's kind of like where FloorDAO is at now and how it's evolved. And I forget the other question, Texan, if you don't mind jogging my memory. Yeah, was this kind of idea generated to address like a specific need for NFTX? Maybe 
around liquidity of certain NFT vaults? Or was it created more to just generate revenue for the DAO that you were creating? Or maybe both? Yeah, it it is both. Um, and the DAO, so the DAO is only owned, like 2% is owned by NFTX because NFTX um, provides this like 500 ETH loan to kickstart the floor liquidity. But, and then the rest is like 6% to the team and then like 1% to advisors. So it was really important from the start that the floor DAO would be like, it's not decentralized in the sense that there is multi-sigs involved currently, but at least like the token, the token distribution is heavily weighted towards community. So like 91% is community. And we didn't want it to be like an NFTX tied thing. I don't think it can work. And I think if you've got a goal of acquiring 100, 100 200 CryptoPunks, you can't, you can't have that treasury kind of just sat with like a handful of people so the goal is very much to like have this owned almost like a public good but you know there's like definitely other sides to it and yeah the, the floor token holders also deciding like where should yield like where should these assets be deployed and i think for now the kind of obvious play is nftx and maybe there will be other strategies that come out that are higher yield generating but we're still very early, so who knows like where that goes? Uh, but yeah, it's not not tied to NFTX. Okay, uh, interesting. So, what is the process that FloorDAO goes through in choosing which collections to add that floor liquidity to? And I guess you're not really deciding which to add floor liquidity to. You're you're choosing which floor of or which nft floor you want to sweep in order to add to the treasury so basically how do you decide which projects receive the liquidity or which projects that you you know you add to the dow treasury yeah so it's all uh voted on by floor token holders so the way it works is communities fill out like a research report which just follows like a, a particular framework that kind of puts the case forward does this nft have like the potential to generate significant yield for the floor down treasury you know is there going to be high volumes for whatever reason and is there like potential capital growth uh, what that might that look like and, and why and how once that's been done then there's a collection crew that kind of reviews and and you know just uh, sense checks everything and at, after that it all goes to vote so right now there's a vote up on floor.xyz and that vote is to decide on which NFT collection to put into the floor down treasury next. Um, so currently we've got CryptoPunks, Mutant Apes, and Wizards. And the next vote is kind of at the moment like being a race between two like emerging assets. Um, and there's kind of like a fair amount of like backstory to this as well. Um, but it's between Milady Maker and uh, Tubby Cats. So we're now seeing what we thought we might see, which is communities really kind of seeing an opportunity here to direct the floor down treasury into building liquidity for their collection because of all the benefits that these projects understand from having that liquidity. Okay, interesting. So how are these communities, I guess, getting their name on the ballot? Are they... Well, I guess it's important to talk about the the tokenomics of the floor token as well, because you've got similar to how Olympus DAO operates. You've got the floor token, and then you've got the S floor, which is staked floor, and then you can wrap the staked floor into G floor, which gives you governance or the ability to vote in governance proposals. So are these NFT DAOs or NFT communities acquiring uh, G floor? Uh, in order to put their name on the ballot? Or what are they doing to to make that happen? They are. So in this, well, so in the very first instance, it was, um, it goes through this like research report template and uh, like to review. After that, like once they're actually up to vote, yeah, anyone could buy the, the floor token, stake it for G floor and then, and then vote. And we did see that with Milady was, um, you know, that one of their core team was kind of like, rallied their their community around to kind of buy up floor and, and vote and then dump floor straight away afterwards so there was this kind of like almost like a civil attack like just a kind of a, a semi-governance attack although very kind of like well-intentioned and light-hearted i think but and like an indication as to the kind of dynamics we might see play out but currently yeah you'd have to have g floor and then moving forward as we as we move the floor protocol on chain because a lot of this stuff is off chain at the moment 
but once you move it on chain then you have kind of like the buying vote kind of angle as well which you see with like convex and curve if you're if you're kind of in the DeFi world so just like there's the curve wars and the tokamak wars there's the future potential for there to be floor wars as well yeah and i think probably much stronger and more kind of like exciting than maybe some of these others because there's just so much passion behind a lot of these communities like the discord today in, in florida was just like completely like manic because tubbies and milady maker were like fighting it out for uh who might be next in the treasury and uh, there's just so much more yeah even if it's not more financially at stake it's just more kind of like as a community you know like you really want to to see the success of your project or and you're tied to that artwork so there, there is potential for like some really heated and um, exciting kind of votes in the future so are people selling their g floor votes or, or bribes, I guess, is the term that's used in the DeFi space. Is that something that's happening right now in Floridao? Not right now. We are looking at like redactors who launched their hidden hands bribing mechanism as like another way to give utility to G Floor, and that you know other people can use like through you use your G Floor to vote for a collection they want by paying you. So yeah, we're looking at that. I think we kind of wanted to test the water, see how much demand there was for voting in in these things but clearly like there would be like some level of bribing because then it it would mean that these collections don't need to actually maybe put up a big outlay for purchasing people they could just do a much more capital efficient bribe in that sense and could you foresee a situation where you know let's say tubby cats wins and you know we we have that you have that liquidity in your treasury now and you're generating revenue off of that could you foresee a situation where you know all the tubby cat communities holders you know they sell their g floor and then now the g floor holders remaining in the dow say okay well they've sold all their g floor let's sell that tubby cat liquidity and re i guess redirect it somewhere else is that something that could happen in the future it's like a social contract here which was kind of in the original vision, and I guess it's always open to change, but I'm personally like quite keen that this stays in place, which is that when a collection is added to FloorDAO, liquidity won't ever come out. It will only ever increase. So liquidity for a collection that's in FloorDAO would just have its liquidity added to all the yields from NFTX will be compounded. And we have like this rough goal in mind of like each collection needing to have like a 0.5% or like at least under 1% price impact on a single purchase or sale. And once we get to that point, you know, the yield that's being earned could start being sold or, you know, profit could be taken. But the liquidity that's there needs to kind of stay there. And that's kind of like the, the value of like a flawed out asset is one that's going to only get more liquid over time. Yeah. And so basically, once the floor nft collection is added to the treasury that treasury is holding it to zero yeah and i think the yeah floor holders need to kind of recognize that and um you know make these decisions based on long-term value rather than like what might be like a very kind of fly-by-night trend which is going to always happen i mean we, we started off with blue chips so we have punk and mutant apes um you know kind of not necessarily blue chips but ones that are like gone through a bear cycle they've kind of experienced some pretty uh some pretty rough times and come out the other side but then there's going to be some allocation that's going to have to be towards more like speculative plays and still in those instances just you know it's it's all in it's uh liquidity only goes up there's no there's no selling uh, there's no dumping of the token or anything like that yeah can you imagine any I guess, unforeseen implications of a non-blue chip NFT DAO or NFT community accumulating G Floor to add to their NFTX vault? I mean... Like a full-on like governance attack? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I haven't run the numbers to exactly how much that would cost right now to like go against you know some of the larger holders, which I know are like extremely aligned with like the longer-term vision. So yeah, you'd be talking about like millions of dollars to make the to make that play, and it is like while we have these social contracts in place, and you know, there's every asset that gets voted in gets a bond, like gets a bonding pool, and, and gets potentially gets swept. 
if something was like a real clear like governance attack, you'd have to be fully confident in the DAO actually executing those transactions um, and you know, to, to spend millions of dollars on something that isn't on-chain and deterministic. It's just quite a like ballsy play. Um, so I'm not sure if anyone would necessarily like have that level of confidence um, to do that. But well, once we move on-chain, then absolutely those kind of just to stop any kind of governance attack really do need to be strong because at that point it's completely out of anyone's hands and um, it's very much more adversarial. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think you touched on this a little bit earlier, but just kind of want to dig in a little bit on, you know, what does the current treasury makeup look like? I think you said punks, mutant apes, and wizards right now. Is that an accurate breakdown of the Florida treasury? And then also, you know, are, are those successful investments so far? You know, what is that breakdown of the Florida revenue stream looks like? Uh, because of those investments. Yeah, so I have to pull up some of the yield. But um, in terms of treasury makeup, yeah, we've got 7.5 million of Punk ETH liquidity and then about 1.3 million of Wizard ETH liquidity and then about 850k of Mutant Ape ETH liquidity as well as like some like single-sided non-liquidity assets. So that's maybe... We can talk about that as well, but yeah, it's not just liquidity that earns interest. With NFTX, at the start of the year, we we introduced something called inventory staking. So you didn't just you didn't need to take on the risk and the capital of of providing ETH paired liquidity. You can actually just stake Punk, and you can just stake Wizard, and you can earn a percentage of all the fees without any of the impermanent loss risk or or anything like that. So yeah, we have about 500k of Punk just single-sided staked and then uh, 250k of, of mutant apes as well so it's like a bit of a mix but we want to focus more heavily on liquidity um, and then we also have like our protocol and liquidity of like the floor west token as well which is about like six million dollars of liquidity there so that's like the the makeup of the treasury in terms of yields we've seen like a lot of volume in the wizard vault Everything that's been going on, you know, got beasts coming, and they got warriors coming. Alex Alexis Silhanian from Reddit recently like announced, I think, some investment uh, in Wizards. So there's been quite a lot of volatility there. And in the last, like, I forget exactly how long it's been. I think I think it's been just over a month, or, or yeah, about about a month. We've we've earned about 8.3 Wizard tokens from our liquidity. So that's about what is that current price is like. 8.3 times 3,000. So yeah, that's currently about like, I think 80k or so on that 1.25 or 1.3 million of Wizard ETH liquidity. So, and that's in about a month. So our run rate is like a 50% APY or 58% APY or APR, I should say. This is not compounding. So, like, if we get this right with with collections that have significant yield, a uh, significant volume, then the yields can be like extremely high, um, because the fees on NFT trading is just inherently higher than uh, than on ERC twenty like Uniswap trades. Yeah, and I can only imagine, you know, with an NFTX Uniswap V three integration that, you know less slippage for the vaults, deeper liquidity and higher yields, that would only be better for the treasure for the Ford out treasury too, correct? Yeah. Like one thing I'm particularly excited about is the is the one percent fee from Uniswap V3. So yeah, we got concentrated liquidity strategies that we can apply, but unfortunately that it isn't possible to stake concentrated positions in NFTX, at least not in our first version of this, because it's extremely complex to try and do that. So it's still a full range Uniswap V3 position. But we get the 1% fee and we also get the, the inbuilt price oracles as well. Um, but the 1% fee would just mean that for something like Punk, where there's much less NFTX vault activity, but there is a lot of trading activity. If we're earning like 1% fees, especially if we start looking at Punk getting involved in DeFi in the sense that, you know, it could be used to take out loans. So we, you know, have liquid, liquidation volumes and we'll have volumes from like rebalancing of index funds and that kind of thing. Yeah, that one percent fee on punk could be like a really significant yield generator over time, especially given like that we have like twenty-five punks, I wanna say, 
and you know, that there's there's not a huge number of punks going around. So owning the punks and owning the the quality for punks, yeah, right now may not seem like a crazy great opportunity, but I have a feeling that you know in the years ahead it, it's it could be a kind of very important piece of liquidity to to own as a as a perk. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another thing that we talked about earlier was Floridao's initial funding. You said that uh, a large portion of it came from NFTX and alone, but there's also 91% community ownership. And I think the initial funding was through uh, Copper, the Copper Lunch protocol, correct? So you actually had this A floor token initially, which you could then convert to floor after the launch. I haven't heard a lot of, of a lot of projects that have gone through the copper launch protocol process. So I just wanted to get your take on what was that process like? Yeah, it was it, it was really good. I mean, in terms of setup, I can't say I, I wasn't like privy to that. So I don't know like exactly how smooth it is to set up. But basically, it's, it's a, res- a reverse Dutch auction. But the auction, you can be bought and sold at any time. So it's not like you buy in and that's your price. Um, if you buy in, you can then sell like again during the dur- the duration of the auction so there's lots of like trading activity that happens while the auction's going on um and the price just kind of falls over time um and it increases like if there's lots of demand suddenly then the price goes up but and if there's none then it starts declining again so yeah very cool mechanism what was really interesting as well as we didn't take any seed rounds we didn't take on any investors you know we had a core team from nftx that was like more than capable of building this thing out but we did need liquidity to like bootstrap and uh, rather than like take on investment from someone that may you know want to exit at some point the benefit of what we did with nftx was we took a 500 eth loan and paired paired that eth with the a floor token so there was like like three million dollars of liquidity just straight off the bat and that allowed the sale to happen and the loan which was interest interest free was paid back off at the end of the auction and then as a result nftx got two percent allocation that two percent is almost certainly never going to be sold because nftx has a very strong interest in in holding those tokens and directing governance so we've kind of like got away with this like bootstrapping of like significant liquidity and size without having to take on like any investment at all so there's no like um seed or anything that's like you know got this this 50x gain that they they really need to exit at some point so i i really hope we see more of that kind of thing moving forward yeah absolutely i might need to get copper launch protocol on the podcast that i think that would be a really interesting one but that's a side note so let's talk about floor dow in its comparisons to olympus dow you know just kind of the similarities and differences there because I think on the surface, without digging in, if you look at the floor, S floor, G floor tokenomics, I think an outsider could just say, you know, oh, this is just another ohm fork. So in your opinion, what are the difference and similarities and, and why is FloorDAO different? Yeah, that's that's a, a good question and, a, and like a good criticism as well from a lot of people. So the, the first of all, like the the reason for using Olympus was that they have a very cool bonding mechanism, and and we we're using their V2 protocol, and it and it is a great way of like bootstrapping a treasury, and, and that was the purpose of V2 of Olympus V2. That the fork that we did was to bootstrap the flawed out treasury. So it's not like a long term, you know, we don't want to become like the reserve currency of NFTs or anything like that. We are like looking at it as like a very kind of mid term bootstrapping exercise. And then moving on from there, you know, you have like VE models and just other interesting things that we can look at, you know, that involve vote locking and rewards and bribes and that kind of stuff. So that's like the the, the kind of initial goal with the Olympus fork. And then in terms of how we differ, really like the main the main difference is well, first of all, we don't have like insanely high APYs as a lot of Olympus forks do. Nothing inherently wrong about that as like an initial launch, but uh, we kind of want to get as closer to what's sustainable in terms of what the treasury is actually owning earning so and that's that's like the next point is that the yields that we earn with nfts is way way higher than what you might expect from like a treasury that's just got eth or a treasury that's just got stable coins and like you might be getting like 15 20 percent with a stable coin strategy what we're doing with wizard for example you know it's a 58 percent 
yield over the last 30 days um, without even um, thinking about compounding uh, at that point. And that's, uh, uh, sorry, that's an APR, so that's ex extrapolated for the year. But the, the yields that we get on an NFT treasure are much higher, and, and that kind of can justify more kind of the, the kind of reward rates that you get for staking floor. And then over time, phasing it out so that we're not doing these these reward rates, and it's coming much more from the kind of sustainable organic yield that's being earned through the strategies that we deploy. Yeah, and Caps, why are the yields on these NFTX vaults so much higher for LPs than in other parts of DeFi? So every time someone sells into an NFTX vault, they pay like a 10% fee. And that 10% fee is kind of like, it's, it's fairly reasonable. You know, you, you're getting instant liquidity on yourself. You might find like OpenSea fees like being like 5% or so. Um, and so that kind of that trade into the vault generates this 10% fee. And then that fee then goes to LPs. And like that's quite quite sizable chunk um, on what is relatively small liquidity. And, and when there's volatility and if the, if the volume, if the liquidity is large enough, then you can get lots of volume that generates like enough fees that the APRs suddenly are, are, are really quite high. And like 58% is quite middle of the road for NFTX. So you have like Tubbies and Miladies, which is like, you know, 300, 600% right now. There's no like pool two, there's no governance token like boosting that. That's purely just yield from, from trading activity. Uh, so a big part is just that with NFTs, there are higher fees. You can you just don't get that kind of yield from trading other assets, and so yeah, there's there's just a lot more to be earned as an LP for LPing NFTs, and obviously it's not without risk as well. But yeah, the rewards do kind of help balance that out. Yeah, and you you also mentioned that maybe the S floor G floor tokenomics model is temporary. And you might move to a, a more of a VE floor model in the future, potentially. So are you saying that you might not use bonding in the future to drive NFTs and liquidity to the treasury, to the DAO's treasury? Or would you just use proceeds from other investments to deploy to other, I guess, LP positions in NFTX? Yeah, so that's a good point. Like bonding will, will likely remain for the foreseeable future. But the like the economics behind it will be more around handing over the bonding parameters and decision making to token holders and then rewarding them for bonds that are successful and that sort of thing. So bonding is, is going to remain as like a, an important aspect of uh, generating capital to then purchase these NFTs or to just increase the treasury size. But it will just be done in a different way. Um, that isn't just as simple as like the Olympus V2 model is currently. Yeah, and with the curve war comparisons that we've made related to floor DAO, have you received any criticisms of, you know, like like we said, similar to an Olympus fork, that it's a curve fork? Or, or what are the differences there in your mind? It would definitely got concerns from people, you know, that you don't, want to have a convex style DAO spin up and, and sort of take full control of governance for floor, or at least take like a really heavy stake in, in floor and, and determine stuff that's kind of out of everyone's control. So that's something that we're looking at with the with the tokenomics and like the upgrade here. But it's so early on on that we're kind of just exploring different different architectures at this point. And even like a VE model isn't necessarily exactly how it's gonna look, but you know just just something that is is different and adapts to to what we've learned from everything that we've done the last few months well okay let me think here yeah i guess you know what are some other topics maybe with that we haven't touched on during this conversation that you wanted to make sure to address about nftx or floordow and it takes us like a really low like there's a lot happening in metafire at the moment and there's a lot of like borrowing and lending protocols that are coming out and I, I think with NFTX, I think there's probably a lack of understanding that NFTX has been able to power like borrowing and lending for a really long time. So the Punk token, for example, was in Rari um, maybe six months ago. And anyone who had CryptoPunk, a floor CryptoPunk, could have minted into NFTX and then borrowed against, borrowed stables against that Punk token from Rari. 
And so any vault that kind of goes into NFTX is immediately capable of doing anything that like DeFi apps are currently doing today. So it, it is interesting to see kind of what's happening. But yeah, it'd be great to see more more integrations into like just ERC20 vault tokens because those those DeFi apps already exist and it's relatively trivial to kind of add these NFTs into existing DeFi architecture. Yeah, it almost makes it seem like in, in your example that the floor punks maybe have a little bit more utility than your more rare sought after punk attributes. Is that, would you say that's fair? Yeah, it's much more efficient. So like with a rare asset, you know, you have to go through these like valuation models and stuff, which I know I know that people are working on and, and maybe there's a way of handling that at scale. But with floors it's really easy. There's no permission, there's no there's no review. You just you just deposit your floor and it's immediately financialized. In that sense, definitely more utility. there's like yield like this yield that you can have with it. As I was saying before, you could stake your punk token and then borrow against that stake punk token. So you've now got like two yield generating strategies stacked together. It's just, uh, I, for, for, for me, and I, I would say this, it's like all flaws in my mind should just be, if you, if you don't have like a particularly personal attachment to them, they should just be in NFTX at the moment or in it, in something, doing something to, to generate yield off the back of it. Because yeah, flaws are great. For, like perfect, a perfect fit to be financialized, in, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. God, it's so interesting to think about. I guess the next question is, are you familiar with the Index Co-op's upcoming new index product called the JPEG Index? I am, yeah. Not hugely familiar with, but uh, yeah, I saw this a few months ago now. Yeah, well, I'm supposed to ask, how excited are you for JPEG? That came from one of our methodologists behind the JPEG, Joseph. Ultra pumped. How many how many NFTX vault tokens are in it? <laughs> Actually, I think we only have one at the moment, right? I, and this is this is what's great. This is very helpful of what FloorDAO was doing because it helps provide that liquidity, right? Because we, we don't want to run into a big issue on slippage if we have you know a large position in a specific NFTX token. I think Punk might be uh, the maybe Xmon. Is that is that one? It probably is punk because that, that is like the most liquid by quite a distance. And that's fair. And that's like one of the criticisms that we have is that, you know, there's, there's, there is still risk with these. Like if it's if it's not liquid enough, like it might be liquid for a user, but it might not be liquid enough for like a, a, an app that needs to have guarantees around availability of liquidity or like slippage or whatever it might be. Right. And do you feel like that's FloorDAO is helping to provide that solution for NFTX? Yeah, that that would be the hope is, um, yeah, we reached, you know, something like Wizard could, could get in there and ha be in your index because it's it's got deep enough liquidity. So, I mean, if you guys ever had, like, benchmarks as to what level of liquidity would be needed, that would be, like, really helpful for us because a big part of what we're doing is, like, trying to reach a point for each of these collections that we add to try and reach a point where they become, like, very useful in DeFi. Uh, we don't want to get to some halfway house where, they're, like, they're liquid, but they're not liquid enough. Uh, we want to make sure that they kind of get the full DeFi treatment. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Well, we'll make sure that y'all get connected if you're not already on that. But yeah, it looks like, and this is alpha for those of you who are listening live, because this, I mean, Index will be coming out soon, I will say. I can't say how soon, but, you know, this episode is being recorded. It'll probably get out next week. So I don't know, maybe it'll be out sometime around then. But what we have so far preliminary for underlying tokens is Punk, Whale, Xmon, Sox, Dog, which I get is like the fractionalized Doge, I think is what that is. Yeah. And then K21, Ash, and then Ginny, but the U Ginny token. And I'm not familiar with that project actually. So but yeah, that's what it looks like so far. And so another question that we like to ask our guests on this show is what are some other maybe lesser known innovative DeFi NFT metaverse related protocols that you are paying attention to or you think are really interesting that you think that other people should know about? Yeah, that's actually a tough one. I'm like head down so much for the last, well, year and a half that it's been a hard time paying attention. I kind of went from like DeFi mania and just finding every new project to, to really not being too familiar. 
I mean, obviously, PseudoSwap is, is one that is an interesting take. I really want to learn more about that. It's like a, it sounds kind of like a V3, you sort of V3 for NFTs. That would be very interesting to hear more about. There's obviously like a big trend in borrowing and lending. I'm kind of paying attention as to, you know, how, how viable is like the ERC20, ERC721 borrowing and lending with all like the, the kind of valuations that have to come with some of that um, versus, you know, a floor based borrowing and lending platform. So, yeah, all I know as well, though, is that there are just constant DeFi meets NFT products coming out. Um, the insert finance is another one. Uh, that, that's kind of been speaking to yeah it's just it for me it seems clear that there's going to be a sort of metafire summer uh that's 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 going to be the big trend this year anyway and well outside the cool cats what is what are some other nft projects that you really like oh, i'm gonna have to open up my portfolio um doodles for sure a fan of like I mean, we got like Wanderers, Cryptodes, more like stuff from last year and going further back than that. I haven't paid too much attention to like recent ones where I picked up Milady just because they did such a monumental effort getting into Flawed Out Discord and um, shilling their bags. It was it was great. So I, I'm picking up Milady's too. But yeah, but again, my kind of collecting and uh, trading days are on, on hold for the time being while I just uh, spend so much of my energy just building right now. Yeah, I completely understand. And yeah, when I asked the question about, um, you know, what are your favorite upcoming projects that people should be paying attention to? And uh, if I have someone on the show who's working on a project to it's like fresh out or they're about to launch, they usually say, I have no idea. I've been working. So <laughs> that's kind of how that goes. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, we're kind of up on time and out of questions. But Caps, thanks for being here with us today. Anything else you want to touch on before I close this out? No, I think I think that's everything. You asked some some great questions. So no, thanks for the chat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And to everyone listening live in the Discord, thank you for listening live. This is being recorded and we will get this out to you in about a week. Caps, thanks again. Appreciate you coming on. Cheers. Take it. Cheers. Thank you.